number one thing in the e-commerce space that we deal with with our clients is their belief that if they just got more traffic, their problems would go away. Like, if I could just get more traffic, I would make more sales. If I, if I could just get cheaper traffic, I, I'd be profitable. It's always traffic, traffic, traffic related. And the reality is, traffic is not your problem in e-commerce. It never is the problem. There is an infinitely abundant amount of traffic available out there that will convert for you if you're set up and able to handle, handle it. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and uh, welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and I have a treat for you today. I've got Tanner Larson of Build, Grow, Scale with me today. Tanner, are you there? I'm here. How's it going? Awesome. Glad to have you here. We are, um, as you know, in the midst of our COVID crisis, and we've, uh, we have uh, picked up steam on our podcast. We're publishing every, uh, every other day now, just to get some cool stories out. So I was excited to get you on um, to talk a little bit about what it is that you guys do. So to start off with, tell me what it is that you guys are known for now. What is it that Build, Grow, Scale does, and why do people come to you? So what we're really known for is taking uh, e-commerce stores and turning them into behemoths like profit pulling machines our build grow scale is a e-commerce data optimization company we basically are the geeks behind the scenes who can go in there and look at all this crazy data that most people don't even know exists analyze that data and turn it around into helping stores make way more money from the traffic they're already getting our kind of claim to fame is that we can usually double a store's revenue within 60 to 90 days with no increase in advertising yeah that is uh, ridiculously cool and i've seen that firsthand um, because of the work you and I have done together yep. and seen you seen you take sites from, you know, one and two and three percent conversion rates to four, five, six percent conversion rates, um, yep. doing whatever mystical, magical wizardry you guys do over there. So it's really, Definitely really some, cool. Definitely some wizardy stuff. We have to wave our hands and do some chants <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Dance around and, uh, and, and do some rain chants or whatever and make it rain. Totally. So. Absolutely. So what I, I want to find out from you is, um, is your origin story, right? We talk on this show, every hero has an origin story. It's where you um, started to realize that you were different, that maybe you had superpowers and maybe you could use them to help other people. How did you get started on this entrepreneurial journey, whether it was with Build, Grow, Scale or, you know, your first you know, venture into entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's, I mean, it really started a long time ago. I mean, I could give you the whole, like I had the candy store and the lemonade stand and the stuff like that, because I did, but that's not, I mean, that's just what kids do. Um, yeah. the more entrepreneurial aspect of it, like I've always wanted to be in business and like that kind of thing and thought that way, but it wasn't until I got hired as a window cleaner, um, as a job, um, that my mom found me cause one of her teacher friends had a side business and needed someone to work for him. And I was out of work 
And I started doing that. And I was learning how to clean windows, which is not rocket science and helping this, basically running this business for this guy while, cause he was a full-time teacher. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't know anything about business, but this guy's an idiot. Like I could do this and he wasn't treating me very well. And I was like, okay, screw this. Like, I'm going to go do it on my own. So that was it. Like I went out, I printed a bunch of flyers. That day I was in business practically. I hired my sister to help me and, you know, fell face forward into it. And, um, priced myself almost out of business because I didn't know what I was doing. And I basically was cleaning houses for free at the, at the price I was charging it. It was taking so long. And little by little, I stuck with it. And that turned into um, a big business because I realized that I actually had to learn how to do it and do business right. And I started studying and looking at other services and became a student of direct response marketing and all of that stuff. And turned out growing that business into a very large window cleaning and exterior building maintenance company. And then we also, in the winter, we supplemented with Christmas lights. And we had a luxury Christmas light division um, that actually made more money in 60 days than we made all year cleaning windows. Um, right about the time, and that was growing really, really well. Um, I also thought, because that was during the economic boom before, right? In the early, you know, mid-2000s, yeah, early Yeah, before 2000s. 2008. Yeah, when it was just, uh, where we were in Reno was growing 18% a quarter. Homes were going up like crazy. And I couldn't hire people fast enough to keep up with demand. And I thought I was God's gift to business. Not, real, not realizing anything else. I'd never grown a business during a slow time, but only in a good time, right? Yeah. Um, and that was great. Um, but about right, right before the crash, right before 2008, I think it was like 2007, six, seven, um, I went blind in my left eye and I had to have a cornea transplant and they put me on a donor list. And when that happened, the, the, the healing process was two years um, and I couldn't go outside. I couldn't lift anything over five pounds. I had to stay indoors and like, I couldn't even finish school. Like all this stuff was bad because I, I couldn't carry a textbook. So I had to withdraw. Um, and at that time, like I had some people in my life that were, I considered early mentors and stuff. And they're like, Hey, your numbers look good. You can't run your business. You can't be involved in it the way you were because it wasn't structured in a way that I could absent myself from it. Um, he's like, maybe you should look at selling. So I sold and luckily I did because within, the, within, you know, eight months, everything started tank tanking. And what's the first thing that happens in a depression? Home services get cut. Yeah. So um, I got out well, I'm decent there. And then I was leaving off savings, realizing that wasn't really awesome. And that was when I turned on the computer. And back in the day, in the early 2000s, I had done some eBay stuff and was a power seller. And I was selling for the platinum power seller during that time. But I got sick of it because my house turned into a warehouse and it was, the technology wasn't there to do what we can do now. So yeah. I quit doing that. I kind of got off the computer and was like, man, that's, that's way too much work. I don't want to do that. I'm going to do my window cleaning stuff. And then when that, I sold the business, I had nothing, was living off savings. Um, that was when I started looking back at the internet and going, hey, well, this eBay thing actually did work. I made good money. What else can I do? And that was when I stumbled onto info products and um, I saw, found ClickBank. And I was like, oh man, this thing looks amazing. How about I create a course? And at the time I was like, what do I know? Window cleaning. So I created a how to create your own window cleaning business course called Streak Free Profits. Um, and it was a multimedia course. Like I, I went way overboard in this thing, like I do with everything. And I had downloadable marketing flyers, editable flyers, uh, video training, a 300 page book, a pricing guides, like all this stuff This massive package, which I of course underpriced on ClickBank because that's what you do. And I held my breath and didn't make any money. And I didn't understand why I wasn't a millionaire when everybody on ClickBank's a millionaire. And uh, then I realized that, hey, the online world is no different than a real business. It's just a different medium. So at that point, I started all over. So 
started looking at direct response and how it applied to online and became a student of that. And through the years, I went from info products into membership sites. I did the AdSense stuff. I did all of it. Um, but all through that, I kept coming back to physical products. Um, I always liked selling physical products. Um, yeah. so it's, it's a definite value of what you're getting. People know what they want. It's like, it's an even exchange. Um, I also like the fact that when with an info product, you had to write a 45 page sales letter to get someone to convince someone to buy it. Whereas you want my book, here it is. Or you want my, you want, you want my yeah, yeah, soda, like, here it is. Take right? a picture of it. Like it, yeah. take a nice quality picture. It, yeah. So I really always liked that. And I started applying direct response to physical products and built in using funnels and, and more uh, persuasive marketing techniques, which really at the time wasn't done. E-commerce was very antiquated and it really worked well. And all of the stuff we were doing really blew up. We were making millions and millions of dollars doing that. We transitioned our products and built Amazon brands with those same products. And it just kind of scaled out into, into this e-com thing. And over the time, it, we started just getting more and more into that. And then we started realizing, you know, more of the data side of things. And my bi current business partner, Matt Stafford, um, he and I joined up on a kitchen brand that we had. Um, and it was one of those ones that we were scaling so fast, we were going broke. Because one of the things in e-commerce is cash flow sucks. So if you're not yeah. really good, and the hyper growth usually leads to massive inventory buys. And when you're turning over multiple types of inventory, purchasing raw materials in advance and having this, you don't usually have three to five different allotments of inventory in various stages of production at any one time. And those keep growing with scale when then you have ads and everything else. So pretty quickly money is just not there. So um, I was supplementing with basically $200,000 worth of personal money every month to keep this massively growing business going um, because eventually it would turn a profit, right? Uh, and we, we then until it didn't, because what happened? Facebook changed. That's never happened to anybody, I'm sure. But anyway, Facebook changed. And all of a sudden, what was working wasn't working anymore. Um, and, you know, the store started tanking. So that was when Matt and I really got into, like, we threw everything we could at it, doing what everybody did. You're just guessing, throwing shit at the wall to figure out what sticks. And then we stumbled onto um, some of the data stuff. When we were doing basic data testing and things like that, like most companies do, but then we realized the power of Google Analytics and we started really looking at deep stuff like different device segments and browser segments and things like that and realizing that there's different conversion rates based on different types of browsers, different types of like someone on Chrome converts differently than someone on Safari, than someone on an iPhone X than someone on an iPad versus a tablet or a Kindle, all these things. And you can optimize different levels of that simply by making um, tweaks. And when we started diving into that world, everything changed it all over again. And then all of a sudden it didn't matter what Facebook did or what Google did or anything else, because we were making so much money per batch of traffic that we purchased per customer. Our lifetime value was increasing that we could afford. We could literally do what Dan Kennedy always says, which is he who can afford to pay the most to acquire a customer wins. We finally yeah. actually did that. And that's how build, grow, scale evolved into what it is today. And now we are basically just a data geek company that, optimizes e-commerce stores yeah that's a that's a really cool story and it's it's interesting that you you got into e-commerce in the time which if anyone who's been following along e-commerce forever you were competing with the people who were you know taking screen grabs from the manufacturer website with their bullet points and the crappy pictures from like yep. you know the old flip cell phones right so you oh, didn't yeah. have to do much to compete right if you know you just took yep. like a real picture and wrote some copy you were winning 
Um, yeah. And you've seen that transition all the way through to today where, you, where, where I call it the, uh, the market consolidation, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have, you have the wild, wild west phase. We're no longer really in that wild west phase. You're seeing a lot of the shops and everything and the, the, it's consolidating to the people who have skills. Correct. Right? Um, and that's where, where you guys are- The market's evolved. The customer yeah. has evolved. Absolutely. Um, and what's interesting is like you were just saying before we got on the phone call that all of e-commerce before our nice, wonderful um, pandemic here only represented like 17% of the market. Yeah. Um, so that's actually even, yeah, you met, mentioned market consolidation and that like the gold rush or gold period has had ended. Honestly, I feel that because of this pandemic, we've opened, we, we started the gold rush all over on, on e-com and digital and digital sales. Um, yeah. What I had said before on the call, um, E-commerce represents trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of spending a year. But up until recently, that only a, a, accounted to about 7 to 12% of shoppers. That was it. Mm -hmm. That was all the shopped online. Most people, most of the world still doesn't shop online. However, yeah, yeah. now we're in this pandemic. We're quarantined. We're in shelter-in-place orders. Um, the government's putting pressure on stores. Certain stores had to close already. Other retailers are being restricted on what items they're allowed to sell in stores. Some of the big box retailers in some states are now being sold. They can't sell frivolous items. Like you can't sell TVs. They have to quarantine those areas off from the store. Yeah, I've seen the pictures of Walmart. Yeah. Walmart closing off the clothes sections and electronic sections. Yep. Um, so, so depending on where you're at. Yeah, but here's the thing. All these people are trapped, right? And they're bored out of their mind. So the internet's there. They're obviously going to be going online. And their desire and need to consume doesn't stop. Birthdays no. don't stop happening. Anniversaries don't stop happening. Clothes don't stop wearing out. Shoes don't stop wearing out. TVs don't stop breaking. All that. People still have to consume. Now, and also when, when you're bored, you consume more because you have nothing else to do with your time. So what we're yeah. seeing right now in our, in our space, like um, in, on our Bogro scale, we have our amplified partner side of the company where we actually partner with bigger brands and become the data optimization back end. You obviously know that, but for people watching, they don't. When I say our stores, I'm talking these, these partner stores, we're seeing an average of four to five times more traffic at any given time of the day on these stores, not necessarily just from ads or whatever else, but like four to five times more traffic than usual because there's so That's many more insane. eyeballs on the internet. And our uh, yeah, Ecom Insider members are seeing the same thing, our, our accelerator members. And if you, if you think about why that is, right, you know, I mean, we've heard a lot about the increase on employment, but if you look at the, our our numbers, we do have increased, increased unemployment, but a huge section of our population doesn't, right? We still have a lot of people in the service industry, a lot of people are able to work mm -hmm. at home. Um, and there's a lot of money that's no longer being spent on restaurants, on your gas tank, yep. on, you know, on shopping elsewhere, right? And now it's all, all that, that energy and funding and, and monetary stuff is being redirected to online spending. Um, so it's absolutely, a, it's changing the game. Um, and what I think is interesting, and I, we'll see how this plays out, but I really think that um, we're, what we've done um, will have a massive impact on future economic stuff because 100%. we've taken a whole group of people who may not have, you know, just like as a, for instance, my mother is not a fan of shopping online because it's not like, she's just not used to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so when you force her to shop online, now you create a skill set she didn't have before. Correct. Right? Same and thing. A, and a level of comfort. Yeah, and a level of comfort that you didn't have before. And that, like, that same thing applies all across the board with everything from homeschooling to you know, working from home. We're going to have a whole segment of our population that now has a baseline level of skills they didn't have before. It's like we're going to take a 10-year jump in skill set for the population. 100%. Right? 
we're uh, the, the whole back to normal business as usual will never happen again. We are, we are literally creating a new normal as we move through this problem. And then, yeah, I mean, there's some downsides to this whole, a lot of downsides to this whole pandemic thing, but there's also, you know, opportunity and some things, silver linings that need to be looked at from everybody. Like, and if your business isn't set up to capitalize on some level of online, even services, you need to figure out how you're going to compete because it's not going to ever go back to the way it was. It, yeah. We've already created that shift. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I've already seen the shift just in the conversations I'm having with clients in my service business and a lot mm -hmm. of those things. Um, and like, I'm gearing my team and our stuff up for growth because we're looking at all of this stuff saying like this, like we're going to shift into some, some high growth phases here in the next little yeah. while. So, um, it's, it's high tough. demand for your services. Absolutely. So, the uh my next question for you has to do with your superpowers right this is you uh -huh. individually what is it that you do or build or offer that you think helps really solve problems for people things that you know we say used you use to slay the world's villains um the way i've been framing this for my guests recently is like if you look at your set of skills that you've developed over the years you probably have one skill or maybe two skills that really energize everything else that sort of is your zone of genius the thing that you bring to your company that um that really helps do you know help you do what you do yeah, um, I mean, it's probably twofold for the most part. Like, one thing is, is um, I'm very good at, at taking an idea and making it a reality. Like, in terms of like, I can, I can see if that's where I want to go, I can figure out very quickly what the, what, the, what the pieces are that need to go into place. Even if I don't know how to do them, I can figure out what they are and make it happen and bring the rest of the team into alignment to get that done. Like, it's just something I've always been able to do. I see it. I know exactly what to do. And I'm off to the races while everybody else is still figuring out, okay, this is what we have to do. What's the first step? And we're already three steps into it. Um, the other aspect of it from our education side is really um, my true passion. What I consider one of my greatest superpowers is from the teaching front. Um, I'm really good at taking uh, complex and uh, convoluted topics or things and breaking them down into a very easy and teachable format with energy that people can follow. Um, I don't teach like Ferris Bueller, um, the day off or the owner <laughs> meal. Like it's very, uh, I take stuff that people are like, man, this would be really boring, but I really enjoy the way you taught it and I can conceptualize what you're teaching. So that's been one of our big things in our education side of our business is our students get massive results. The information we have is good, but it's also in my superpowers and the way we teach it and break it down for people. So I've always called that superpower the ability to take the cookies and put them on the lower shelf. Right? That's always been my metaphor for that, right? Mm -hmm. is you, can, you can take the cookies up here and put them down where everyone and can. And I have to have them on the lower shelf because I'm not that tall. So like, it's important yeah, yeah, that I'm good at doing that. That's the way it goes. Um, but uh, the, other, your, the other thing that you mentioned, which is seeing a big end goal and being able to know where to start. Um, I've always been really fascinated by that skill in particular because um, it's something that you see a lot of CEOs have. Right, and it's it's sort of like a visionary skill. And mm -hmm. I've been, I'm just curious from a tactical perspective, is it something where you like you actually see an end goal and you start working backwards to see what the steps are, um, or like how does how does that actually happen in your head? And does it happen slow enough for you to actually see the steps to explain it to someone else? So the, actually, you you pit, you pointed out one of the pitfalls of my skill is that it happens in my head, and I happen so quickly that I, it's very hard for people often to keep up and for yeah. me to, um, like, I'm already four steps ahead. And it's like, my, my COO still is like, whoa, dude, 
I have questions. And I'm like, bro, we're already moving. Like, what are you at? <laughs> like, we're done. We're, we're way past yeah. that. I already said go. You should be running right now. Um, so uh, it's funny because we actually, our whole team, we, we have a 45-person team, and we just uh, all collectively did the, the Gallup uh, strength assessment, strength finder test, and where it finds your five, it ranks your five things, and we ranked it all of ours and we're having a, a coach go through and organize them and look at our different pods in our company to see how they all interact with each other. It's really cool. But that was one of the things in mind was it actually pointed out that, yes, this is a thing of mine. And in my head, like, okay, this is what, this is the goal. This is what we're going to do. I, I want this end result. And I, for, in my head, it's like a, a picture and it's like, okay, boom, this is it. And then I just start seeing like chunks of the things that have to happen, like the major milestones and I'm already like when I see whatever the closest milestone is to me in my head is where does that sound? I'm I already start moving towards it, and I'm I'm as I'm moving, I'm like okay, the next thing I got to do is I got to um, build this site and I got to create this page, and I have this um, list. Um, actually, a good example when we did the uh, the the product launch or for the book the first time. Um, the team's like, oh, cool, we're almost done. Like, we've only got this. And I'm like, oh, no, we have this. And I, and I, start, I started talking, and they were listing out. And for about 10 minutes straight, I kept listing out little bullet points of all the different things, the emails, the, the links that had to go in the emails, and all the stuff that had to happen. And my team was sitting there, and they're like, where did that – where do you have that written down? And I'm like, I don't. I just thought of it. Like, I just, I just know that's what I have to do to make – this book with the complete funnel and all the fulfillment and everything that goes along with it and the members area and the auxiliary content and the affiliate program, these are all the pieces that have to be in place before that book yeah. can go live. And it just, it just comes into my head that way. Um, and now did it, it didn't just come into my head from day one that way. I've got, you know, 20, 19, 18 years of doing this yeah. um, type of stuff that that has given me that skill set. Um, but even when, if I don't know, have the knowledge, I still usually know conceptually the pieces enough to move forward and align the other pieces now. Yeah. And it's really, it's really a fascinating skill too, because one of the things you mentioned is like, you see the first milestone and you immediately start moving towards it. Um, and I actually think that's one of, it, it's, it's sort of a fatal flaw. A lot of entrepreneurs don't, don't do um, is they, they don't, they wait until they're ready for something instead of realizing that part of the process of becoming ready is actually taking the action and doing the things. It's You're never going to be ready. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a, it's a habit that you have to train yourself to get into, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you have that natural inclination like you do. Um, but like for me, it's something I have to train myself to get good at is to just take action first, move forward. And it's, you know, because it's easier to correct the course of a ship that's moving than it is to change the direction of a ship. hundred percent. Yes. Yep. Um, and that's so, not to say we don't screw things up or have to backtrack or change or pivot or whatever. We always do. But we're, you know, one of the things that makes us good is we're pretty good at, at pushing and moving. And um, our team actually is, is, we're developing, it's funny, when I was talking about the Gallup thing, our, um, that, that push forward thing in Gallup is called Achiever. And that's one of the things that you have. Our entire um, C-level executive team and our first tier below that Every single one of the people in, in those about 11 positions have achiever somewhere in their top five. Um, nice. Not intentional, it's, but it's, you attract kind of, you know, our culture and dictates. And I would say, I can't, I don't know the exact, but it's somewhere, it's over 70% over of our 45 people have that achiever 
um, trait in their top five. I, I don't know, it, yeah, it could be higher, it could be a little lower, but it's somewhere, it's a massive amount of our people. So we're all very much action takers, you know, let's do it and then figure out what else we have to do. So Which do you, do you find you in trouble though? Yeah, I was going to say, do you find that you have to, uh, you have to have people on the team who are more on the, you know, so, yes. so the achiever is really the ready fire aim. And mm -hmm. then the flip side of that is the, is the, you know, ready aim fire, right? Do you Correct. have to have those people to hold you back a little bit? Like, Hey, wait, we gotta. Yeah. Like, so it, it does before. help. It does help now. I mean, I would have told you, because the majority of my career was as a solopreneur or um, window cleaning. I had like 60 employees, but that didn't really count. But like in the online space, uh, it was mostly solopreneur to like a couple, like two to three people max on my team. Now we're at 45 people with, you know, COO, CMO, CTO, like the whole shebang. Um, and yes, the, once your team starts moving, I think that's very important that you have the people that can stop and, and take that more analytical look. Ack is really good about that. He'll ask me the whole team going, but if he doesn't get those questions answered, he can't move. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's super <laughs> important to have those people. But as a solopreneur, honestly, I think having like it's, if you have to pick one or the other, it's better just to to get out there and go, um, because you you can you can pick up the pieces. You can adapt much easier than you can if you have a, a team of people moving. Um, than you can if it's uh you're like a speedboat. You can turn on a dime. Yeah. Big ships take more turning. And and people uh people appreciate it when you apologize and you make a mistake more than if you never make a mistake at ever ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a uh, important things to learn. So the the flip side of the superpower then is obviously the fatal flaw, right? Just like Superman has his kryptonite or Batman's just a ninja, he's not actually a superhero. What would you say your fatal flaw has been in growing your business and you know having the position that you do? And how have you worked on that for so you know people who are listening who might struggle with the same kind of thing? So um, my, my fatal flaw is definitely tied to everything we were just talking about. It's like, it's my greatest strength. It's also a great weakness. Um, I have the, the ability um, or my, my, my strengths are all have the ability to burn people out um, because, and, and like make them feel inadequate and make them feel like they like, because they, they don't think the way that I do that I don't value what they have to have input on. Um, and I can't, like, if, mm -hmm. if I'm explaining, hey, this is what we're doing, and then you have questions, my flaw is that I'm, and you, I'm like, why the hell do you have questions? Like, seriously, I just told you what we're doing. Let's go do it. We could have been done already. And that is not the, the, a, a good feature for a CEO who has a team of 45 people that he has to actually inspire and read the vision to get them going. So I have to be very aware of it. And honestly, I would say that the, that 17 of the 18 to 19 years that I've been doing this kind of stuff, I was not aware of that. I just thought, what the hell is wrong with all these people? Why can't they get in line with what I'm trying to do? Um, and it's only been recently as we've really grown the company and done a lot of emotional intelligence work, um, been doing, taking classes and really paying attention and like to what's going on that I've become aware that I have that impact and aware of what other people are seeing and saying and, um, the personality types that, you know, I have to be aware of that don't necessarily not jive with what I have, but they don't relate the same way that I do. So I need to make sure that I can approach it in a different way, step back, look at it from their position. So um, that and the fact that I, yeah, I, I know my intensity burns people out. 
your your um uh, so I, I i'm very familiar with the uh the disc profile system if we were mm -hmm. looking at the disc profile you would be a high you'd be a high d um and on the other side of the high d you have the high s's and the high d and a high s in the same room you'd make them cry um, yeah oh yeah so. i definitely can do that and i have uh, and you know <laughs> it's not just in business though that this 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 is me right so this is how i am in life um, it, it affects my family, it affects my kids, it affects all of it. So, um, and it's something that I, you know, I'm very grateful to now be aware of and be able to work on it. And, um, you know, my, like, since I have been aware of it, like I've, I've discovered a whole bunch of stuff about my, like my, my wife and our relationship, my kids, like everything has improved since I've realized, you know, that fatal flaw and like that I actually can, it's not it's not a foregone conclusion. I can not necessarily control it, but I can adapt it and I can adjust to, you know, not have it negatively impact those around me. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a, a similar like way that I, I, I operate um, and was blessed with a daughter or two that are on the opposite side of that spectrum. Yeah. And, um, and it's very helpful to have a little girl who loves the crap out of you that you have to be very, like you have to be very conscious of how you act yeah. um, or you end up with a bundle of tears. And I found that has been helpful for, for training myself. <laughs> yep. My daughter is very much so. that same way. She's got a lot of, a lot of my, like the toughness, but she also has that super soft and she's, my, my son is like bull in a China closet. Like he's me. You don't care what I say. Yeah. My daughter or how I act, he could care less. My daughter though, it's, it's like, oh my gosh, now we're, now we're crying. And I, you know, and I have to figure that out. Um, but yeah, it definitely makes me more aware. Yeah, yeah. Makes me better in companies in my work too. Yeah, I have a, I have a lot of times where I'm like, oh, and I made her cry. <laughs> I don't and know how I, I made her cry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And we're broken down in tears. I've gotten really good at doing the. Uh, we do pity parties now. So so it's like just sit on my lap and cry on my shoulder, and I'll just be here for you, um, <laughs> even though I don't get, understand get what moment, I'm being out for. Yeah, have your moment. <laughs> have your moment. So my next question for you has to do with your common enemy. And the common enemy is something that, um, and it, I think it probably uh, would be most helpful if we picked one of the audiences that you work with, maybe the, your EI members or your mm -hmm. Amplified partners. It's uh, um, if you, it's something that you constantly like bang your head in the wall, you know, wall against that you, you constantly struggle with with your clients, that if you had a magic wand and you could just wave it and get rid of that thing, what would it be? What's the thing that you have to fight against all the time with your clients? Um, with the service that you do? Uh, I guess the, the biggest thing um, is, you know, there's so much noise in the marketplace in, in almost anything, right? There's, there's good advice, bad advice, just so much of it. It's hard to filter out what's good. But the number one thing in the e-commerce space that we deal with with our clients is their belief that if they just got more traffic, their problems would go away. Like if I could just get more traffic, I would make more sales. If I, if I could just get cheaper traffic, I, I'd be profitable. It's always traffic, traffic, traffic related. And the reality is traffic is not your problem in e-commerce. It never is the problem. There is an infinitely abundant amount of traffic available out there that will convert for you if you're set up and able to handle, handle it. The, uh, um, one of my favorite um, books is The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. And uh, he talks about how most companies don't die from starvation. They die from indigestion, meaning that you're not dying from a lack of traffic. You're dying from an inability to digest that traffic into sales. And that is the reality yeah. of e-commerce. Um, 
you know, most e-commerce companies don't sell to their customers in a more than one time. Like it's like 90 plus percent of e-commerce companies sell to their customers only one time. Uh, th so they're not doing that. They're also not, they throw up a store or an, a funnel and then they, that's it. That's up. It must be good. Now I spend all my time buying traffic courses and learning how to get cheaper CPMs and Facebook and twi Twitter and Pinterest and Snapchat traffic and all this other crap. And yet the fact is you have a 0.6 conversion rate or a 1% conversion rate. That means that for every hundred people you get to your store who clicked on an ad meaning they were interested in what you had, only one bought. So your thing is, let's get a hundred more, I'll get one more sale. If I get a hundred, if I get 200, I'll get two sales. Why not fix that one, make that a four or a six or an eight? And you know, it's not just conversion though, it's also average order value, lifetime customer value, all those different things, but none of those are focused on. We host a big event called Build Grow Scale Live and we survey everybody and the event sales page literally says, we will not teach you traffic strategies. We won't teach you anything about traffic. The whole thing is about how to optimize your store and everything else. The survey, we ask them an, an entrance survey and they have an exit survey. On both of them, there's always the, the huge thing is, we wish we had taught us traffic or I need more traffic. I'm like, what is wrong? Like, get that through your head. It, they don't need more traffic. They literally need to be able to digest the traffic they're getting better. And once they can do that, they'll never have a traffic problem again. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because like I, I work a lot with people who do the uh, educational funnels, right? Where they're, mm -hmm. you know, doing like the book funnel, like you have you mm -hmm. held up earlier and things like that. Um, and I regularly have clients come to me and we get on like our strategy call to go through like their funnel and what they're doing. And they're like, my biggest problem is I just need to be able to get twice as much traffic for less money, right? Or yeah. I need to, like, they're always interested in like, I just need more traffic. If I could just double the amount of traffic I was getting, then I would, you know, fix all my problems. And I was like, what if we just kept the same amount of traffic and we added an order bump here? Or we did some stuff, you know, we actually like build out a funnel, do an upsell, like actually yep. increase the average order value or increase our conversion rates and things like that. And like, I'll, 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 I'll build a, like, like a little Excel model and be like, here's your version. And, you know, you can scale it up and down with traffic and you notice it like the profit ability never changes, mm -mm. right? Doesn't matter how big you scale it, you're still stuck at whatever your yeah. profitability you just, level is. You now. just create bigger problems. Like, yeah, yeah. You just create scaling problems now, like, like yeah. you were talking about with your kitchen brand. Yeah. Uh, oh man, that was a nightmare. And that was exactly what we were doing. Yeah. We were pouring more traffic. It's like, you know, if, if some is good, more is better, right? It's like you water a flower with a fire hose, you're going to destroy the flower. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, we'll, we'll do the other model where I'll show them like, Hey, so here's like, like we, we can take, take a funnel. It's like, like a book funnel that you start with like a seven or $9 sale and you add a single order bump to it. And the average order value goes from $7 to 21 and it changes the game completely. Like that's just yeah. one thing. Yeah. Um, and like, that's what you guys do with e-commerce stores is so you show people that there's more to it than just adding more traffic. Oh, front totally. End. I mean, our thing, our, our, our example that we always talk about is the leaky bucket, right? You know, your business is, is the bucket and your business is leaking all the time. It's full of holes. And the water coming into the bucket is your traffic and the water that falls out of it is lost sales, wasted money, lost opportunity. Why pour more money into a bucket that keeps leaking? Our thing is let's fix the bucket. Let's patch some, as many of the holes as we can and then turn up the traffic. And then that way all the money that's, all the water that stays in is captured sales. And people just don't seem to get yeah, that. Yeah. And when we do finally get through to them, when they, like the people who come to us, it's like literally the, the light bulb goes off and all of a sudden they're, they're struggling or mediocre store turns into a, a behemoth. It starts, you know, 
And our Ecom Insider program that you mentioned, our average conversion rate, our benchmark is over 4%. Like that's, people cry Amazing. when their conversion rate's 4%. Um, you know, because they're like, oh, it dropped from what? From six or eight, you know? Um, and conversion rate's just a vanity metric anyway. There's a lot more important stuff, profitability and actual money you keep in your po pocket. But, you know, at least eight out of 100 are getting converted into a sale versus the industry average of yeah. one to one and a half. So, so I just had a, an idea for you based on what you said um, uh, for, I know you guys are working on a, a new course for, mm -hmm. for uh, uh, what do you call it? A, a way to talk about it. Um, you could start mm -hmm. calling it a, like build a better bucket. Build a better bucket. <laughs> That's good. Build, That's true. Build a it's one bucket. of our biggest examples. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to do a beginner's course for people, you could, uh, you talk about building a better bucket from the ground up. So it doesn't have holes in it. It's <laughs> a good point actually. Yeah, there you go. That's my uh, that's my my value add for the podcast today. Oh, got it. So, <laughs> so my next question for you is the flip side of the common enemy. So the common enemy is what you fight against. The driving force is what you fight for, right? So just like Spider Man fights to save New York, or Batman fights to save Gotham, or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. What is it that you guys fight for at Build Grow Scale? So our our big thing is is we. I mean, obviously we're in the e commerce space, and our preferred audience, the people we, we truly want to help are the small businesses, the, the e-compreneurs, um, the physical product sellers that, that are, you know, we, we work with some big stores too, but the really, the ones we have, you know, the, the greatest impact helping are the mom and pop, you know, shops, the, the small businesses that are, you know, they're stuck and they're, they have good product. They're, they're good people. They're doing, they're doing everything that they think they're doing right. They just need a little help to go up. And that, you know, we like, we like helping them. That's our focus. And our, our goal is, what we have, like we always call ourselves um, the best kept secret in e-commerce. And no, actually we don't call us that, our customers call us that. But we, we are, our joke is we're not trying to be a secret. Like, so, because what we have literally can revolutionize the, the modern day e-commerce industry uh, because it's, it's such a different way of thinking. And it, it's not a, a, a concept that's gonna be saturated. It's literally just a, an applicable thing to all businesses. So um, that's, our, that's our goal. That's who we're trying to help. That's the common good that we're trying to solve. Is we want to help the e-compreneurs, you know, build their businesses because the small business owner is the one that changes America. They're the ones that make the world a better place. They create the most Absolutely. jobs. They create the most impact. They change the economies. It's not the big companies. It's the small companies. And those are the that's ones That's why we, we invite them onto the, uh, onto the podcast and have them tell their Absolutely. stories. Absolutely, yeah. So, so I have, I have sort of a meta level question for you that you okay. just sort of popped into my head. Um, and it has to do with like, you, you told your whole story about all the different things you've done in your business mm -hmm. um, and in your life. And it seems to me like you hit a point where you, you became laser focused on a single outcome and your business exploded. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that concept and how you can get yourself there if you're not there yet in your business, right? Having that laser focus. Yeah, so that actually is, truthfully, I, if I had to say well, there's one secret to my personal success or mine and Matt's success, um, and th that's a principle called success by subtraction. Um, and I, I used to believe that the more things I had going, the more successful I was and the better I was, the better I was and everything else. There was a time when um, I had equity in like 15 different companies. Um, where I was actively working and I almost killed myself doing that. Um, I actually collapsed on stage right before I got on stage at my event and had to go to the hospital. It was a major turning point in my life. Uh, but it wasn't until a few years after that where 
uh, really embrace this simplicity by success by subtraction principle, which is um, if you have, you have focus, right? You have this ball of focus and we've all seen a, a diagram of this before, but when you have multiple things, like say I have five things, when my focus goes in five directions, nothing gets the full impact. Whereas if I only have one thing, all my energy, all my focus goes towards that one thing and it gets all my attention. What gets attention gets improved and it, gets, and it grows. Um, the same concept can be a, another example of that would be taking five glasses and dropping a marble, which represents time, money, and energy into each one. And you keep doing that. Which one fills up first? Which one really grows? None, none of them, them really all, do. None of them. Yeah. But if you just pick one and you drop it all into there, it gets all your time, all your focus, all your money, all, all your attention, it explodes. And when we finally started embracing that and the magic of that power is literally the word no. The more we said no and, and meant it, the more money we made the easier our life got, the more successful the company got, the better our team got, the more we focus and drill down to just the one true focus that we want to do, it took off. We even, it, there's even things within our focus that we thought that are good things. Like we had a mastermind called Black Label. One of my mm -hmm. favorite things we ever did. I had it for, for three, four years, we ran that. We finally had to do or subtraction and success by subtraction. We looked at it and we said, you know what? This is actually a distraction from our true focus. And we actually can make more impact by cutting this out, shutting it down or temporarily. Um, in my mind, it's always temporarily because it makes it easier for me to live with. Um, and, and it may be temporarily or it may not be, but if I ever said I've shut it down forever, I could have never shut it down. So you have to figure out how to work with your own brain to make those things happen. But once we did that, which most people would say, oh, well, that fits within your business model, you should keep it. That's not true. It was a distraction yeah. from the main push, the main focus. And as soon as we dialed in on that, it's been, you know, ridiculous growth. And so, life gets a lot easier. So I have, I have some interesting questions just in light of that, because it's something mm -hmm. like that I'm struggling with my own head right now as my business grows. Like we, um, for, you know, I'm not sure when this will air, but like tax day was yesterday, right? I just had mm -hmm. my biggest tax bill I've ever gotten from the government, which is kind of a cool place to be in. Yeah. Um, I have to like start looking at more advanced tax strategies. So that's always fun. But one of the things that I'm looking at now is like, I want to start, um, you know, diversifying income a little bit and like putting money into maybe real estate or into some other, you know, maybe dividend paying stocks and stuff like that. How do you, how do you, uh, what would you say? Like, how do you keep that together with having a very singularly focused business and realizing that personally, you still might want to take the profits and the stuff that you do in your business and put them into other things without letting that distract your focus? So first, I think we're, we're there's, it's almost looking at two different things. But one thing I will say is, that's the most important thing you can do. I have made, if I had kept even half of all the money that I have blown on stupid stuff, I could have my own <laughs> island right now. Um, but I didn't, I lived, I, I made money, I spent, I mean, ridiculous amounts of money went out. I had a great life, had a lot of fun, didn't have anything to show for it. It wasn't until I grew up a little bit that I realized, oh, you know what, I should have kept some of that. So 100%, like you should be taking the money from your business, reinvesting some of it, but always putting some aside and then investing that into things that, can grow your money without you doing it. Um, that 100%. And Matt and I are big, big believers in that. Um, we build, grow, scale is our living, and we're but build, grow, scale for us is not an exitable company. We're not trying to exit it. It's the it's our passion, it's our play. But the money that we make from that goes into other ventures that we can you know potentially exit or just grow on their own and make money, whether they're hard money loans, real estate, things like that. 
the, yeah, so the question the, is, how do you keep that from distracting your correct. focus? So you, you, you kind of, you, you have to do a couple things. Um, number one, like if, if it's a passionary, like let's say you like trading options trading or something like that. If you want to do that and that's like your thing, like your, your hobby or something, that's cool. But don't try to build a business and then a course and then a service and then everything else doing that. Just make that your thing. But if you want to start investing, doing options and real estate and hard money lending and all these different things to get are not the right thing. Right. You can't you, you personally can't do that. The only way you could is if you assembled a team where someone actually has to have like runs that for you and they report to you. Um, the other way that we do it, like we do a lot of real estate investing as well. We don't actively do it ourselves. We go through a guy who actually does the that's his, what his business and we become investors and partners with him. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you, if you can't become a partner, you find someone who actually needs money for, for flips or for whatever else. And you just become a, a silent investor. That way you get in the real estate market, but you're not actually doing it. Or you pay him to find you a property if you want to get rental, but you don't actively go out and learn the expertise and become the person who can go do those things. Um, because again, it's a distraction off your main focus. Um, if I'll give up, and I used to not think this way, but I would, I'll easily give up, you know, five or six points if I can not have to touch it and it's going to work. You know, yeah, and let and someone it just, else do it. It returns a small piece of returns a small piece of the pie with no time Correct. and focus investment. Um, but yes, you know, the, that's a big thing too, because it can ver get, be very easy. Like I got really into hard money loans um, for real estate and different, different people. And I got really excited about that and was like building out this thing, getting all into it. And I realized that it was taking so much time away from my actual running of the business that I decided to stop doing. I was just like, okay, well, I'll loan on this. I can loan on cars over 8%. I can do all this different thing and have all these different people paying me money and making interest on it. And I said, you know what, this isn't going to work. I'm just going to find one, actually I have three people now who I, they're the only people I, I lend hard money to. And it's, they can take as much as they need, but that way I don't have to deal with 70 different loans and tra tracking them down because it becomes a full-time job. Um, with yeah. the, as these three, it's very simple. We have a system, it works, and I keep making money. And um, one of them has the uh, demand that he has more business than he can handle. So he, he needs more money than I can give him, which is great. So whenever I have extra, I can throw it at him and it gets invested. That's really awesome. Uh, that's a good way to like think about it too. Cause we're like, I'm not there yet, but I know like that's where the trajectory is. Um, so it's good to, you know, to, to hear a little bit of like how, how you're thinking about that aspect of growing your business and how you keep your focus. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, for sure. yeah. So my next question for you is more on the practical side. Right. Okay. So we call this the hero, hero's tool belt, right? Maybe you got a big magical hammer like Thor or a bulletproof vest like your neighborhood police officer. Or maybe you just really love Evernote. What are, some, you know, what are some of the tools that you guys use at Build, Grow, Scale that you couldn't live without, that you couldn't do what you do for your clients without those tools? Um, and you know, just, just a couple, maybe one or two of the big ones that you guys, uh, you guys use all the time. So from a big standpoint, um, there are three, three big tools that we, we could not live without, one of which most people can afford, the other two that they, they might not want to because they are pricier. Um, uh, Lucky Orange for uh, browser tracking and heat mapping and all of that kind of stuff is just amazing. Um, session recording, uh, we use that a, a ton. Um, we, we're one of their biggest users on the platform. We, have, we, we use more impressions than almost any other customer they've, they've had. Um, then cool. we also uh, use convert.com is what we use for split testing. Um, Google Optimize is great for smaller sites, but when you want to get like into the big stuff, convert.com is, is, is a great tool for that. 
And then um, one of the ones that helps us find massive, massive wins um, is Browser Stack. Um, and Browser Stack is a, a total geek tool that allows you to basically, because all browsers, every time a new update comes out, doesn't mean everybody updates for the new browser. So people are on different yeah. versions of browsers. So Browser Stack lets you test every browser along every version. And you can see how your different, your sites perform and go back and figure out what you need to fix in, on each different browser segment. Um, some of the biggest wins in a store's, in a store's performance can be found in um, browser testing. Interesting. So I'm just, just out, of, out of curiosity, I know a lot of your partners and whatnot are, operate on the Shopify platform. Does Shopify offer the ability to do things like speed enhancements? Because I know like speed is a really big deal for Huge. conversion. Yeah, so they don't, um, they don't offer anything like that, but the ability to do it is there in the code. Um, I mean, there's simple things you can do, like optimizing your images and things like that. Um, but from a code standpoint, there's a lot that can be done to speed up a Shopify store. Um, some of it's simple, some of it's pr pretty um, intense to do, but it, it does make a big difference. Speed is one of the most important things that you can do. Um, Amazon actually reports that for every uh, one second of speed increase performance that they get on, on their store, um, their conversions go up by 2%. Um, now, they obviously are so- Damn optimized already that they can't gain a second all the time, but they're constantly micro tuning to get that fraction of a second because it means a massive impact to them. So, and we see the same kind of numbers. Speed is huge. Yeah. And I know like with, with your Amazon size, 2% change over a billion transactions is a lot of money. Yes, so, it is. Even a fraction of um, piece of that is a big chunk. Yeah, absolutely. So the reason I ask is because like a, a lot of the other platforms are generally self-hosted. Mm -hmm. um, right. So everything from like WooCommerce or big commerce, stuff like that, where you, you, you control the server, but something Correct. like Shopify, you don't control the server. So you, you don't, that's like a big chunk of your speed stuff. And I was just curious where that fit in for you guys. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some limitations anytime you use a hosted platform. Um, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is whether you're on WordPress, like doing WooCommerce or Magento or uh, big commerce, or I mean, th even 3d cart or any of the other one, not that I would ever suggest anybody go on 3d cart. Um, it's just very antiquated, but any of those platforms or Shopify, some, there's some part of your site that's making server calls, like external calls, whether it's from an app or uh, a, a, something else that you're using or a, a plugin or something, it's calling external files that you're waiting on as part of your load time. Um, so you do your best you can, and then you can also do lazy load techniques where you're having certain things load, load uh, later in the queue to make sure that everything that's more important gets loaded first. And then those lagging ones you can let come later. Um, so there's a lot of different tricks you can work around to um, deal with the stuff where you actually have to call out or wait for other server times. And Shopify, from, for their thing, they've done a pretty good job and they are of keeping their server speeds up and making things um, faster. Um, the, ones that, the ones that have not, that really suck at that, and sorry, Russell, but it's ClickFunnels. Um, they're, they have some of the slowest server call type stuff. You cannot do hardly anything to improve page performance and speed on a ClickFunnels page, um, which sucks. So I love the platform, my, it's slow. <laughs> so my, my curious question for you then um, is just of all the things that you can do to improve conversion for a website, what's your guys' first like go-to that you recommend to clients all the time? Is it something like server speed or is it like tracking? Can, you know, the doing setting up tracking, like what's one of the big things that you guys always start with for like, Hey, if you're so not the doing number this, one thing, do it immediately. Yeah. The number one thing is 
setting up Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager correctly. Um, and that's the problem. I'm honestly, Google, it's, it's amazing software. It's an amazing program. The problem is it's not user friendly. It's not very easy to set up correctly. And the problem is it will report data, however you have it set up, as if that data is accurate. You have no way to know that it's not going to say, oh, this data might not be accurate. It's just going to show it to you and you're going to think it's good. We've never, in, in all the years we've been doing this, we've never had a single store that we've worked on come in with their data perfect. Even our own, we've had to fix our own and we've gotten really good at it. But clients will always say, oh yeah, our, our data is perfect. We've got it good. And we go in there and we realize, nope, it's not. We change it and they realize that a lot of their stuff that they were making decisions on was inaccurate. So the first thing we do, go in and dial in Google Analytics, set up Google Tag Manager and tag every aspect of the site, every link, every image, every video, every everything, every button. So no matter what's clicked on, we can track it all the way through to the end conversion and see you know, people who click on the about us page, what do they convert at? People who watch 30 seconds of this video, they convert it this. People who watch 45 seconds convert this. And we start collecting that data because Google Analytics data is only forward collecting. It's not, you can't go backwards. So the sooner we can get that, the sooner we can start establishing what their true baselines are and look for gaps in the data to optimize on. And then we find the low hanging fruit. Um, the second thing, once we get the data going is we start working on bounce rates. Um, um, so bounce rate, rate is, is that when someone hits a page and then leaves versus it's page and continues on. Yep. Hits the, hits the page however long and then they leave you know. Um, so the idea is to reduce bounce rate as low as possible so that more time on site that um, typically bounce rate is caused by a couple main things. The biggest things is slow sites and sites that cause confusion or don't provide clarity that they're actually in the place that they want to go. So they click off an ad expecting to go, to a purse store and they land on a store that looks like Walmart. They, but they just clicked on a, on a purse. Like, where's, why am I not seeing that purse? That confusion causes- yeah, Like, where's the know, purse? Yeah, so they exit. Those yeah, we call that things. continuity. Yep, yeah, the, yeah, the, the clarity and the, and the consistency. But the, the speed is the number one one, especially on mobile. Because you think about it, when mobile yeah. stuff loads slow, we are, we're already doing mobile because we have no attention span. So it's even worse when the site doesn't load on mobile fast. Or poor yeah, user yeah, experience know. on mobile as well. Like I, I have a lot of patience because I do web development, but if mm -hmm. you get to like three or four seconds, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there's a, yeah. um, an example. Um, one of our, one of our, our favorite companies we buy, we like to buy cars from Matt and I go to um, Charlotte and Clarence. They're a great company. Good, good guys. We love them. Their website is so terrible on mobile that when we were trying, we were trying to look at cars and we're, it just does not work. Um, and we were in the airport when we were doing this the first time um, because when we had talked to the guys on the phone. They're like, yeah, just go to our website. We called them back and said, guys, we're not, we, we literally are over the car. Like, and they're like, why? It's beautiful. Like, we can't even find it. The website was so bad that we, we almost never did, did, did business with them. Um, if it wasn't for the personal phone support from the owners, we would never have bought cars from them. That's amazing. Yeah. And it, uh, it does, it changes, it changes the game for mm -hmm. people. And I know like, like uh, if you just um, anecdotally talking to people like my wife and other people that, that uh, you know, that I interact with on a regular basis, they have a lot less patience than I do. Oh yeah. Right. Cause so, so they're like, if it doesn't work the way that I think it should work, like the first time, like I just, they're, they're just deleted. Like not even like, uh -huh. I'm going to go back there or talk about nope. them. There's just like that never again. Yeah, you're out of my life. Yep. 
we are not Facebook friends anymore. You're done. We're done, right? Like life is over for that person. I block that company. Yep. Don't show me their ads anymore. My wife's the same way. And she's yeah. a perfect consumer. Like my wife loves to buy everything. So, you know, if, but if, but she does, if she, if, if a site doesn't work the way she thinks it is like she like, and, if, and that's the important person that it should work for is the end user. Mm-hmm. Store, that's the other thing. Store owners all the time, we get on a store and we're like, we, I try to do something and I'm pretty good at stores. Like I know how to make them work and I'll get, I'm like, wait a minute, this wasn't right. And they'll be like, oh, well you have to go here to do that because of this. And I'm like, are you on the phone with every person who visits your site to tell them that? Well, no. So then how do they know? Because the site works for you, the store owner, because you know the ins and outs, but the end user can't use it. Yeah. Yeah. And drive you bonkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my next question for you has to do with your own personal heroes, right? So just like Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who are some of your heroes? Were they real life mentors, peers who are a couple of years ahead of you, maybe speakers or authors? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your life and your businesses? Well, for sure, Yoda, like he's number one. Um, <laughs> yeah, Yoda's big. Um, do Boba or do Fett. not. Yeah. And then Boba Fett. He's just like, a, I want armor like that. He's just awesome. Um, but in real life, uh, I would say a a current hero slash mentor who I have not yet met, who I plan to is, um, Road Less Stupid, Keith Cunningham, uh, that he's, he has had a massive impact in the way I've reshaped, um, and Matt and I both have, and actually it's like the required reading in our company, that important of a book. Um, but yeah, he's been very influential just in the way he thinks about business and and like the, the common things that we don't like to admit or think about as, as mm-hmm. business owners, um, like the whole starvation over indigestion type thing. That's, it's true, but we don't look at it that way. We, we like to band-aid stuff instead of solve the actual problem. Um, you know, um, he, he's, he's probably the most current guy that I'm like really, really enamored with. I, I love watching, you know, some of the bigger guys, like I like seeing what Elon and those guys are doing um, just from a, like, a big picture, like, man, you could, you literally can do anything you want. Like those guys are proof yeah. that anything in the world is possible. Hell, I want to have a rocket company and put stuff people on the moon. Cool. I want to launch my roadster into space. So he do just it. does it. Yeah. So whenever yeah. I start having like those kind of um, like self doubt, like, Oh, we can't do that. I like to look at guys like that and just be like, of course I can, I can do anything I want. Like, look at that. Like, if he can launch his car into <laughs> space, just cause, I can for sure launch this next course or, you know, go change, change the e-com industry, you know, things like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Get yeah. the book written or do whatever it is you're going to do. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> it's so, so we, we limit ourselves so heavily. Um, but I actually get, in, I get also get inspired by just, you know, most of my, most of our clients, like seeing these guys taking a business, you know, an idea from scratch, grinding, putting the blood, sweat and tears, and staying the course to develop, a, you know, these amazing companies that are transforming their, their industries, their space and making a big deal. Like I love watching that and I get ideas from them and inspiration all the time. Absolutely. That's really cool. Um, and I like the, uh, uh, like I do the same thing where you look at people who are like doing really cool things. Um, and, and you're like, you know, I know that I'm at least as smart as that guy or that girl, <laughs> like, like there's, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. I, I will um, totally yeah. own up to the fact that I do not think I'm as smart as Elon. I'm not that kind of brainiac. Like I, <laughs> that's just not the way I think, but not, I do believe that anything's possible. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I if I'm on on Elon's level, but there's a lot of people that you see in business. You're like, I don't know how that guy can even like tie his shoes in the morning, and he's running oh, this huge totally, business. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And but for sure, and it's you know, I think that's the the self belief because the, the biggest critic we ever have in our life is ourselves, right? We're the ones that yeah. are going to be harder and ruder and meaner. Like honestly, if we had the opportunity, we wouldn't even be friends with ourselves because no one is going to be as mean to us as ourselves. Like we would not choose to be friends with us. Um, so if we can, we just need to distance ourselves from that and realize that it's all head trash. It's all in your head telling you that you can't do something or what, you know, whatever's stopping you from doing it. It's only you, there's nobody else stopping you. Um, and that, that's yeah. that key ball, but it's really true. Like when you really, really get down, yeah. remember that you are not your best friend. You, you actually are really yeah. mean to yourself. And that's actually uh, one of the reasons why we talk about, you know, your heroes, right? Because it's those people that help you get over your own head trash, right? Mm -hmm. In some form or fashion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of getting uh, me getting out of my own head trash would be really be my, my COO, Zach, and my business partner, Matt. Those two, like we collectively together spend a lot of time talking each other out of our own stupidity and head trash and just like self-doubt stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. we actually build that into our, we have two weekly calls that are dedicated to that. Yeah, I actually, uh, I have, uh, my, my best friend and I do that. We run separate companies, but we do that all the time. We get on the phone a couple times a week. Um, and literally it's just like, Hey, I'm going <laughs> to, it's like, you shouldn't, you should stop thinking that way. It's your own head trash. Got to get out yep. of it, move on, get it done. You need it. Um, and yeah, you got to have, have your running partners, whether they're, you know, like you, uh, you know, a co-owner or a CEO or something like that, or, you know, running partner in another business. Um, it's really important aspect of, you know, having someone to kick you in the ass when you're, uh, totally. <laughs> when you need it. Yeah. And even just re reassure you that you're, that you're good and that everything is okay. You know, you know, one of yeah, the things yeah. that Matt does to me all the time is I'll be like, Oh man, this, man, this sucks. Like we're, we're not doing well or something's bad. And he's like, do you need me to loan you money for groceries? Are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, shut up. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, but, but that's the thing. Like, and it pisses me off every time because like, I'm acting like the world is ending. And he's like, dude, do you need money for groceries? Cause you're really not, that. Nothing, nothing's wrong. Literally, he's, we had, like, stop, you know, he's like, stop being a toddler. You're yeah. fine. We had an ad turned off. You know, it's not a big deal. You know, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I could totally see that being a, a thing that like I would I would need right where where it's like you know, just, like blow up because it's not working and someone yeah. just kicking the ass you're like like you're breathing you have food you have a wife yeah. you have beautiful children like the yep, sun that's came exactly what it comes down to <laughs> yeah and he knows how to needle uh, me on it and it just pisses me off to no end but it gets me out of that little tirade and funk yeah absolutely so I want to bring it home for our listeners and talk a little bit about your guiding principles. This is our last sort of question. Um, and what are the top one or two principles or actions that you personally put in place every single day that you think has a impact um, and contributes to the success and influence that you guys enjoy at Bill Gross Scale? So I think a big part of it is, well, for me, I mean, I have like morning routine, some kind of consistency to your day every day. Um, one thing for our company though, like we have a, uh, a gratitude practice in our company that all of our, our team members start the day with a gratitude pre uh, post in, in Slack that we all get to be a, a part of. And it's a three part thing. Um, the, and I'll explain why I think the first part is gratitude for something in some person place your thing in your pair in your personal life and why gratitude for something in your professional life, person place your thing and why, uh, gratitude for something about yourself and why. 
um, and those three things, and we post that. And so, you know, people have all seen this stuff about grat gratitude. Like that, it literally can like change the neuroplasticity in your brain and like rewire your brain for happiness and positivity and better thoughts. And I didn't buy into all that crap for a long time. And now I literally eat, sleep and breathe it. Um, cause it, we, we saw the, the complete shift in our company and, and the happiness of our employees and the, just the everything. So for us, gratitude is huge. Um, and it, it's not much, it has to, it doesn't be material, but just gratitude and everybody expressing it and reading everybody else's gratitude ties the community together, creates better culture and everybody is just happier. Um, for us, delivering excellence is a core guiding principle of who we are. We don't do anything without excellence, like any, in anything that we do in the company, whether it's company facing or inward facing or external uh, customer facing um, is a big thing for us. And it's in our culture. If someone doesn't have that kind of belief about themselves and the way they want to operate and, you know, they're not going to last in our, in our world because it, it just, not that we don't like them, they just don't fit. They won't, they won't feel comfortable. Um, and the other thing is um, success by subtraction. Simplicity and focus is, is you know, that ball of energy, we can go one direction very, very well, or we can go five directions very shitty. So let's stay in that one direction. I have, I have a further sort of question on that, just in terms of like you having a larger team. Mm -hmm. And so you have your company's focus, like the one thing that you do, but how do you, how do you guys manage keeping people in the place where their focus is lined up directly with their zone of genius, right? Where, the, where they're, they're operating in really good places. How do you guys manage that as a company? So I'd love to take credit for that, but that's literally Zach, um, our COO. That's one of his, his skill sets is figuring out. And he and Matt have spent a lot of time. We've done a lot of personality testing, a lot of different things like that, and you know, interviewing and figuring out what our people are good at. We've had a lot of people in the wrong roles. Um, that we've moved around and now that they, they were people we actually one of the girls on our team who's a rock star we actually let her go and then realized well, I think we just had her in the wrong position we moved her to a new position and she helped um, dial in our entire internship program to train all of our, our team members internally and she's by far one of the most amazing people on our team but we actually fired her and then brought her back um, so to keep them focused though um, on what they are is that you know that's where it comes down to uh, we, we, we break things down into pods and groups of people like they have different focuses and different things that they're supposed to focus on. The biggest part is me not coming in company wide and going, okay, here's my new idea. Because that is what derails focus because they're like our, our uh, course curriculum team that's, that's designing our course frameworks and all of our educational design stuff. They're working on it and they're like thinking, okay, my, my job is to do, do educational design and map this out. And then I tell the company, okay, guys, Tomorrow we're going to go create this and we're going to make, we're going to onboard 75 AMP partners. And they're like, okay, so do I, do I design a course curriculum or do, do I uh, help AMP partners? Th that's where, how you keep them focused is you don't let people like me get in there and throw all my, my 30,000 ideas that I have a day into the mix. Um, that has to stay. You have to have a filter. Yeah. That goes between me, Zach and Matt, and it does not get pushed out. But the other thing is, is there have, has to be a team lead or a department lead, if you will, that has that ability to stay focused as, as like one of their core skill sets, you know, in terms of just how they operate. They don't get distracted easy, easily. They're easy. They're, they're able to stay the course. And then they have to have regular check-ins with whoever their higher level is, whether it's Zach or me or, or Matt, 
to you know make sure that what they're keeping their team focused on is it still in alignment with the vision of the, whatever the next step of the process is. Um, it's actually not that complicated to do as long as you don't have that maniac monkey running around distracting everybody. And that's honestly what kills more, more big companies and teams is that maniac monkey. And I have a lot of friends who are just like me, who are that maniac monkey, who um, it's basically like taking the, like if, if your company is a horse and you have the reins and you're just inking the head around like this and it doesn't know where to go, it can't even take a step because you're so excited to go 75 different directions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it helps having someone to, to filter that or give you a place to, to go and like get it all out um, instead yep. of getting it all and in front of your team. We do. I get it on. They're like, okay, so of those, which one's the most important? Uh, well, they all are. No, let's go break it down. You know, which one's the most important? Which one actually fits with what we're doing? So we kind of, you know, a process of elimination and usually we wind up with none of them are the right thing. Because if you go with simplicity and focus and su success by subtraction, the reality is, is that there are, um, there's lots of good ideas but most good ideas are not for now, they're for later. So, and if it's really a good idea, unless it's Uber, then it's a good idea later too. Otherwise it's not really a good idea. So if it's yeah. not the next Uber, it'll be a good idea later if it's truly a good idea and you're better off staying focused on what yeah. you're doing. It's not gonna, it's not gonna die on the vine um, waiting nope. for its time. Nope. <laughs> So that basically wraps up the, the interview portion. I have one last thing we do on our show every time mm -hmm. I call this the Heroes Challenge. It's pretty simple. Um, we do it on every show. Um, and it's basically, it's, do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come on the Hero Show and share their story with our audience? Uh, yeah, a couple, couple buddies. It, it can't, um, can't be can't Matt, though, because Matt's already booked. No, Matt's already on. <laughs> yeah, you should really get Matt on here. Um, well, honestly, if you, if you want to talk more of like the team building stuff and how to structure and make things work with a big team, you should probably get Zach on here. Um, but that'd be a lot of build, grow, scale people and you probably want some diversity. Um, so Vinny Fisher would be a good one to interview. Um, Vinny is CEO of Fully Accountable. He's also built some massive um, nine-figure companies, used to own Brainhost, um, built them from the ground up. He'd be really cool if you haven't had him. Um, He's one of those crazy monkeys that yanks things around. That's, he, he could tell you all kinds of stories about that and how to fix it. Um, another one would be Justin Singletary from fulfillment.com. Um, Justin is a, a ex-sniper, ranger, um, done some really, really cool stuff and then decided to move into the business world, built a ridiculously awesome fulfillment company, um, has a really cool story and hero's journey, which is kind of like your show. Um, so he'd be a good one to get on and he'd love to do stuff like this. Um, and you should probably get Patch on here. Patch has an awesome story. Yeah, yeah. I've just been, uh, been chatting, chatting, chit-chatting with Patch. He's a really neat guy. Um, yeah, he's so got a, we'll, a million, we'll zillion things going. I know. And he's, uh, he's very dedicated to what he's doing, really loves his audience and whatnot. That's cool to see. So at this point, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show, Tanner. Really appreciate it. My last question for you is where can people find you? Where can, um, where can they get a hold of you? What are some of the things that like, you know, where, pick up your book or hear some of your training or um, that kind of stuff? And who are like the ideal people to reach out to Build, Grow, Scale? Gotcha. So ideal people to reach out to Build, Grow, Scale. 
Um, we are launching a new, uh, like a beginner's program, which we haven't had in the past. So if you're looking to start an e-commerce business, we can actually give you the, the foundational training now that will help you get going. If you're an established e-commerce business and you're looking to grow, we're definitely the ones to come to for that. Um, and then, you know, to find us, buildgrowscale.com is by far the easiest. Uh, you can find all of our different programs there. All of our free content are um, with Richard's help. We've got, we've now got our podcast and our blog going. Um, and actually our YouTube channel is going with some really awesome content. Actually, we just released a six part series on our blog that honestly we might take down and make a course because it's a little bit too detailed, but it's there for now. Um, so if you guys want to check that out, uh, again, build, so go read it quick. Yeah, it's really good. It. And then, yeah, if you want my book, go to Amazon, you can grab it. Um, I would say go to our book funnel, but we're about to pull that down and change it around. So just go grab it on Amazon, get prime shipping and it'll knock you out, put you to sleep for sure. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Tanner. Really appreciate it. You have any final words of wisdom for our audience before we hit the little stop record button here? Quit trying to do too many things. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Like narrow it down, simplify focus and just drive home with that one thing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tanner. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me.